Let us begin with a word of prayer, shall we? Father, I thank you for gathering everyone here. And help us, O Lord, even as we hear your word, to receive from you directly. And help us to be sensitive to your spirit as we go through our message today, that we may receive from you rightly, where necessary, comfort from life or a wake-up call as we need it, that we may fully appreciate all that you've given us in Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. So many times uh, I find myself after a long day of work, you know, unwinding by watching a series on Netflix or scrolling through social media or maybe just getting into a really good novel, right? And unhelpfully, the time comes when I should be calling it a night. And I find myself promising myself, maybe just one more episode, one more chapter, right? And before I know it, you know, as it happens, it's 2, 3, 4 a.m. and I have a full day the next day. And as a young dad, I have kids who have natural alarm clocks at 6 or 7 a.m. I can't sleep in. And I regret the next day, right? I find myself wishing I haven't binged on Netflix. Um, even with like two, three cups of coffee, my brain still goes at a snail's pace and my head is pounding. And uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one, okay? I see some nodding of heads and smiles because <laughs> here's the thing, in general, human beings are really bad at conceiving the future. The future seems very abstract compared to what we are facing in the here and now and the present. But unfortunately, in my case, that regret, with hindsight, uh, that regret was far more real and painful. And in fact, the enjoyment of the night before just seems so much more uh, ephemeral, right? It just went away. And today, our passage will be Luke chapter 3, as we have read uh, from verses 15 to 7, uh, 22. And the emphasis will be on the baptism of Christ. And I hope to point out today that, you know, I said that how we respond to Christ and his baptism matters today until eternity. You can find the outline for my talk uh, in the outline provided. And briefly, how it will go is this. I will spend a bit of time pointing out how Luke used our passage today in the context of the whole chapter and clarifying uh, the words Christ and baptism. And then as we go through the passage, we will see first that Christ is Christ's coming is heralded by John's baptism ministry, verses five, uh, 15 to 17. Uh, Christ's gospel is rejected by Herod in verses 18 to 20. And last but not least, Christ's baptism is commended by God in verses 21 and 22. So diving right into the context of Luke chapter 3. So as a whole, Luke chapter 3 makes one point. Jesus is the Christ. That's it. But how does it do so? You see, our passage today is nestled between two different uh, narrative blocks. The first top part is John's ministry. John's the Baptist ministry. And the bottom part is a genealogy. And they both serve to point to that one fact. So if you look from the bottom, all the way from verse 38, from the bottom up, what happens from uh, verses 23 to 38 is that Luke traces Jesus' ancestry backwards, right? So looking backwards from verse 28, uh, 38, we see God's promises from Adam, all right, to um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in verse 34. God promising these three that through their family, God will bless all the nations of the earth. And specifically through Judah in verse 33, we see his name, right? That God promises that a king will come 
through Judah in Genesis 49. And next, from Judah, we see the next king of Judah uh, that comes from Judah in verse 31, David. And if you've been with us last year, we went through 1 Samuel, David is the definitive Old Testament king, the godly king who walked according to God's, uh, lost, uh, the God's chosen king. And to whom, as we will see later in 2 Samuel, whenever we get to it, that God promised to David to establish an everlasting kingdom, his kingdom through David, which leads us to Jesus. From the top end, from verses 1 to 14, we have John. And here we have a quotation in Luke chapter 3, verses 4 to 6 from Isaiah chapter 40, uh, 700 years prior, right? That John is the prophesied one to lead the way to the Christ. And here is where um, we need to spend some time defining what Christ means. Um, The common joke is that Christ, Jesus, is not the son of Mr. and Mrs. Christ. It's not a last name, but it's a title. It's from the Greek word Christos, or you may be familiar with the Hebrew equivalent, Messiah, Mashiach, right? It basically just means anointed. Anointed. And what this means is that because it's like a shorthand kind of reference to how kings and other ministries were anointed by God. But here we're talking about the Christ, definite article, singular, specific individual, God's king who will bring God's rule. The Christ. And here I would like to frame our reference when we think about God as God is the definition of goodness. That all good things find their definition in who God is. Anything that you think admirable or noble, um, honorable, they all find their definition in God, right? And that, so God and his Christ, and the problem is that all of humanity, all the way from the first human Adam, right, has rejected God as our king, and thus is in a state of rebellion. And all of humanity are Adam's children. And as his children, we inherited that state of rebellion, but we also prove it when we, in our own choices, reject goodness in our own lives. And that's the problem. So when John's ministry came, he was calling people, look, you need to turn to God. What you're doing is not right. right? Turn to him. Repent. That's what it means, to turn back to God. And the main way John did so was by baptism. And here's where we need to define the word baptism. You see, baptism as a ceremony didn't exist in the Old Testament. Shocking, right? It's something that happened in between. But by John's time, baptism was something that converts to Judaism did. So there you have Jews who were born into the family. They were born into the law. They were they born into the worship of the one true God. And then you had... As, as Jews began spread out among the, the Greco-Roman world, you had people who were not Jews who wanted to worship the true God. And baptism became a ceremony of entrance to say that I denounce Zeus, I denounce Hermes, I denounce Venus or whoever gods I was worshipping to worship the one true God, the God of Israel. And this baptism was to, to signify that. While Jews did do a ritual washing, they didn't do so in this way of ceremony. But the the bombshell kind of thing that John was doing, he was calling Jews to be baptized as well. That even though you think you were born into it, even though you think you're entitled to it, no, you need to turn back to God. And the amazing thing was he's getting tax collectors and soldiers to get their act straight. And maybe I need to explain a bit because we don't really hate tax collectors. I mean, 
we not, no one really likes IRB, right? But we don't hate the tax collectors the way they did, right? Or same way with soldiers. So let me put it away, you can frame it. It's as if we have a person who can preach so powerfully that corrupt government officials and law enforcement that take bribes denounce their ways, renounce, I won't take any more bribes, give back the money, and start attending church every week. Whoa. Right? That's some serious, like, you know, uh, pointing people to God power, which is why when we come to our passage in verse 15, everyone was wondering, can this John the Baptist, can he be the Christ? Is he the one we're waiting for? He has such a powerful ministry. Look at it, what he's doing, right? And John very quickly says, no, I'm not. And rightfully, he raises the bar of expectation even higher. You think my ministry is great when I turn people to God. Wait for the Christ to come. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit, but he will also bring judgment. Because we see that Christ, the Christ, the Christ, is God's king, God's ultimate king. But to reject God's Christ is to reject God and to leave one rightfully condemned. And we see such a case of rejection in Herod in the next few verses. The gospel is rejected by Herod in verses 18 to 20. So you see, uh, the ESV has good news here. Some other versions may have the word gospel. It Basically, it just means good news. That's what the word gospel means, right? But in that context of that time, the gospel also was political in nature. It was a good news of a very specific sort, which is the rule of a new king. We have a new era, we have a new king. That is the gospel. So it's not uncommon in antiquity to see documents stating like the gospel of Caesar Augustus, for example, right? To indicate the, the news that Caesar Augustus is the new Caesar, for example, right? It was a political term. And there's one kind of people to whom this kind of good news is not good news. It's the incumbent rulers, basically. The ones that's going to get kicked out, right? They won't like such good news. And that was Herod. You see, Herod was in sin. He, he had a comfortable life. He had it good, right? Uh, he could do whatever he wanted with power. He could kill people and get away with it, right? And in fact, he was sleeping with his brother's wife. And he enjoyed it. He wanted to keep that. And John was calling him out on it, saying, no, this is not right. Although everyone can see that it is not right, right? But it's as if that if no one says it, it doesn't exist. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, and hush it away. So Herod had John locked up. But we see that Herod, in wanting to keep his sin, is kind of like me binging on Netflix. It may seem like a good idea or nice to keep it, but that there are real consequences for keeping that thing, right? Because living with Jesus as king, here's the real thing, right? Living with Jesus as king means we have to give up our kingship over our own lives, over the way we like it to be, to our convenience to suit us, not to live according to how we want, but how he calls us to do but we can trust that that is good because his way is better. How is King Jesus' way better? And we see that outlined in the next verses, verse 21 to 22. But before we go there, um, so we see um, Christ being baptized by John. But hold up a minute. I just said that John's baptism is one of repentance, turning away from, from, from rejecting God to turning to God. And if Jesus is God's king, it doesn't apply. It makes no sense. In fact, uh, Matthew's recording of Jesus' baptism would highlight this fact. John would tell Jesus in Matthew, right? Uh, I don't 
I, how can I baptize you? I should be baptized by you. How can you say that you want to be baptized by me, right? And Jesus replies, let us do so to fulfill all righteousness. And what is it are we talking about? What, what righteousness are we talking about? And I'll say that Luke gives us a hint. So let's read in verse 21. Now when all the people were baptized, that means all people present, right, were baptized. And when Jesus also had been baptized, he was praying. So Luke puts Jesus' baptism in the context of everyone there being baptized as well. That Jesus' baptism was uh, to, to be with the people, to identify with the people. And that was the righteousness that that will fulfill. Christ's baptism was the commencement, the commissioning of his kingly ministry. And yet, Jesus was to be a different type of king than they were expecting. They were expecting a Christ who would dominate Rome, who would rule with an iron fist and throw Rome out and dominate the world. But instead, we see God's Christ come to be one with us so that he could save us. We know from the rest of the Bible that how Jesus did so was by living the perfect sinless life in full obedience of God, to God, the only human to do so, to perfectly follow God's way. And in living out this perfect life, he didn't keep it to himself, but he gave it in exchange for hours when he died on the cross. The shameful, brutal death that we deserved, that our rebellion deserved, that was our fate, that he took the full brunt of that on the cross, on, in our stead. All that shame, all that guilt. And this is the type of king that Jesus came to be. A king who will give himself to save his people. And that's so different from kings of the world today who just live for themselves, right? And we know later on in the story that the cross is not just a moment of defeat, but it is his coronation. Because three days later, Jesus rises again in power, vindicating that he is the king. He is the, 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 the chosen one in power and that he lives forevermore in heaven and he will come back one day. And this ministry began at his baptism. So which is why when we come to this phrase, you are my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased, that the voice from heaven was proclaiming this. I will draw two things from this and I'll conclude. The first is this. When God the Father <coughs> at Jesus' baptism says, you are my beloved son, it reveals to us that God is primarily a father. We know elsewhere from the Bible that Jesus uh, God the Son was with God from eternity past, before creation, right? And that, that, that means that God always is a father. Now, I've said that I'm a dad of two young kids. There was once upon a time that I was single and not a dad, that the title won't apply to me at all. I became a dad when my son was born. But that's not the case with God. God always is a father because he always has a son. And added that to what I said earlier, which is God is the definition of goodness, means he is a good father. Now, while I may acknowledge that not all of us had perfect experiences with our earthly dads, some of us have been blessed with a really great, awesome dad, but not all of us have been. Um, in fact, my own relationship with my dad was not great. Uh, we butted heads, maybe we're too similar, right? But until I became a dad, I realized that he was just a... Uh, uh, a, a flawed man trying his best and we reconciled um, two weeks before he passed after my son's birth. Uh, and despite the failings of our earthly dads, 
God is the perfect dad to which all other dads should be pointing us to. He is the perfect father who knows perfectly, loves perfectly, and, and, and cares perfectly. That all that God does should be understood from the fact that he is a good father. That he created, he's mighty, he created, but he didn't create so that he can be worshipped. He created out of his fatherly generosity to, to pour forth his love on us. And that he exercises fatherly care upon creation and upon our lives today. And that we approach him as children because of the second point that I'm about to raise from this. In that Jesus, God's son, came to be one of us so that we can be God's sons also. As I outlined Jesus' completed work in his life, death, and resurrection, I mentioned that Jesus took all, all that we deserved on him in exchange. He gave us all of him. We get all that Christ was. Isn't that amazing? His perfect obedience, his perfect love, his sonship. We get that. No matter your background, no matter what you've done in the past, even no matter your gender. So don't miss out on this. Right? In a patriarchal society that really, well, for whatever fault this, honored sons more than daughters, right? God is saying, no matter who you are, in Christ, you are honored and cherished and loved as a son. So when we are united with Christ, we can hear God's words with our name tagged right there. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. So in Christ, we relate to God as a loving father and assured of his love, like Christ was assured of the father's love. And if today any of you here, if you do not yet know what it means to have that this creator of the universe is king to be your loving father, I invite you to believe all that Christ has done for you so that you can have this and live with Christ as your king. How we respond to Christ in his baptism affects us from today to eternity. We see how Christ's baptism identified us just as our own baptism unites us with him. And in Christ, <coughs> excuse me, and in Christ that we are reconciled to our perfect Heavenly Father. And as children of God, right now, we can live with this relationship. Our eternity begins right now. If heaven is about living with God the Father, our heaven begins right now. Family, don't miss out on this. Right? And that God is good. But this necessarily means that all ways of turning away from Him is necessarily evil. And because God is good, He will not leave evil undestroyed. So the consequences also of being on the wrong side of God is also dire. And that's where um, Christ came to bear it so that we don't have to, right? But to reject what Christ has done is to remain there. That was the choice Herod made. And even though Herod died in 39 AD, he may have enjoyed his life of 60 years. Two millennia later, I would say even up to right now, He's regretting that choice. So while everything in this present life that we face today may seem real, may seem as real as it gets, I assure you that it is all vapor 
compared to the concrete reality, reality of eternity after death. The eternities of glories of being with Christ and the eternal consequences of rejecting Him. And may I also similarly encourage you that this blessing, the concreteness of this blessing should also be contrasted to let us see the, 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 the vapor-like quality of all the sufferings and inconveniences that we may have to go through to get more of Him. That it will be worth it. So let us not give up. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for Christ's baptism that unites us with all that he accomplished on the cross, with his death that take, took on the full extent of our punishment, shame, and guilt that we so deserved, and that we are united with him in his resurrection to live forever in glory with you, that for all of us who are in Christ, we can call you Father, just as Christ did, knowing that you look on us with all of Christ's righteousness. Help us, O oh Father, to respond rightly to this kindness that we don't deserve. In our choices today, in what we choose uh, in, in today and for the rest of our lives. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.